everybody welcome to t3 glory days i'm noah that's Stu, and we're just back from what was an action-packed and wild weekend in rochester new york at division three nationals hosted by st john fisher university you can maybe tell from my voice that it's a little hoarse Stu and i were up in the booth yelling and screaming on the live feed over three days and it was a really great thing to do and we're really grateful for that opportunity. So many good races and we're gonna bring you some post-national coverage in these next couple podcasts. And we've got a really special guest, very fast guest lined up for you today before Stu comes on to introduce her. Be sure to check those show notes down below for different ways you can support this podcast. There's links to our Venmo. If you appreciate our work and want to leave us a tip, you can do so via Venmo. We also have a Patreon, which is a monthly subscription service. If you want to throw us a bone every month, that would really help out a lot too. We also have a lot of content on our Instagram and Twitter from this weekend at the National Meet. Our team at D3 Glory Days took some amazing photos and some amazing captions, and that's all up on social media so go there to check it out our website d3glorydays.com also has a lot of special content on it so a lot of ways you can still keep in touch with division three glory days outside of this podcast even if you like the podcast please take a second to leave a rating or write a review on apple Podcasts or spotify wherever you're listening that helps us grow the audience as well we'll have links to our photo archive from the meet up on the website Thanks to all of our photographers who showed up and showed out at the national meet. Stu and I were in the booth, but they were out on the field and in the pits and all over the place, just getting really awesome content. So please interact with that and follow them on social media. Maybe we'll put links to their social medias in the show notes. That's all for me. Here's Stu with an introduction to today's guest. Today's guest is the fastest woman in D3 and the fastest woman in D3 history. That's right. We have Michelle Quaffo on the podcast to talk through the weekend. Not only did she win the national title in the 100-meter dash, but she also broke the national record held since 1999. And on top of that, she was a runner-up in the hurdles, one of the deepest and historic finals in D3 history featured so many talented athletes and she was runner up there. We go into how she progressed as an athlete while being a Coast Guard. She was once a 16 second hurdle runner. She ran 1356 wind aided and she's the fourth athlete on the all conditions list. So quite the resume she built over the weekend and the legacy she'll leave as a division three sprinter. We also went into her decision to go to the Coast Guard and why she was drawn to service and what her future looks like with the Coast Guard as well. She's super fired up to continue to run and she's hoping the Coast Guard can grant her that wish to continue running for at least another year before she's stationed in Rhode Island. This was a great episode and showed Michelle's resilience throughout her years dealing with COVID and injuries and having way more responsibilities than a normal college student has at a non-military academy. So hope you enjoy this one. Yeah, Michelle is a special athlete. It was great having her on. Hey, if you're a decision maker out there and you just happen to be listening to this, let's figure out a way to keep Michelle running, shall we? All right, that's all for now. We'll be back in your podcast feed very soon. Till then, here's to the glory days. All right, welcome back to D3 Glory Days post-nationals. 
coverage. We're sitting down with the fastest woman in D3 and in D3 history, Michelle Quaffo from the Coast Guard. Michelle, welcome to D3 Lore Days. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, first off, congratulations on an excellent weekend, breaking the D3 record, winning a national title in the 100, and a runner-up performance in the hurdles. Has it, I mean, it's Monday, you got, you raced Saturday. Has it set in yet? No, I'm still definitely processing everything. Everything happened so fast, you know, from the hurdle race to the dash race, the turnaround was so quick. Um, And then, you know, just like hearing that it was a, you know, record-breaking performance, which was you know, one step up from what I did the day before. So definitely still trying to soak it all in. I think everyone around me is doing a good job of reminding me um, of the job that I did, but I don't think personally, I personally like accepted it and kind of, you know, understood what all of that means. Before we kind of get into the details of the weekend, why don't you kind of give us an idea of where your mind and body were at heading into the weekend? So um, leading to prelims, I would say the week before, we kind of took a more relaxed approach. I was still practicing practically every day, um, but I wasn't, you know, killing it with the workouts. It was just making sure that my legs were staying fresh and I was still, you know, in a good mindset to, you know, perform on Friday. I was a little nervous because I had the week off in terms of like competing. So I didn't compete the weekend before. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I need to keep, you know, the adrenaline going and stuff. But I think it just helped me just stay fresh and go into prelims with, you know, everything that I had at that time. So I was feeling, feeling pretty good going into it. Um, and then after prelims, I was feeling a little sore. So I was a little worried going into finals, but ended up all working out. Yeah. From a sprint perspective, you know, oftentimes you hear from distance runners taking that week off before the nationals, but talking with some sprinting colleagues, it sounds like you kind of want to be racing, whether it's even not your main distance, you know, so is it weird not to race heading into the national meet? Yeah, and it kind of was the same way last um, last year, but, you know, I think it's a good time to just, like, focus on the technical things. Um, you're not going to get that, you know, race pace mentality and all that stuff, um, obviously, for that weekend because you're not racing. But I think for me, it really allowed me to kind of just focus on little things and fine-tune things that, you know, I had been working on all season and kind of got a little, you know, distracted from because of everything going on. Obviously, we saw what you did at Nationals. Were were those objectives on your radar going into it? Were those things you'd written down on your goal list? Well, in terms of like goals for Nationals and like racing, you know, like my coach just kept reminding me to stand tall, you know, run through the finish line. And, and those are things that we're working on at practice. In terms of like big overall goals, um, obviously, like anyone going into like these big competitions, the mindset is to win. Um, but you can't have 22 winners. You can only have one. So, and you know, it's anyone's game. You're looking at the the list going in, you have all these people who've done like so many like great performances throughout the season. So, you know, like you have to give it your best. So just being able to like stay focused on the things that you've been working on is hard, you know, cause you know, everyone else is working on different things and all that stuff. But um, I think that being able to like take that week to really focus on myself and like things that I know that I was good at and maybe like focusing on things that I hadn't been really helped me just you know, do what I was able to do this past weekend. The last meet you had was at New England's and you ran 1167 into a headwind. Your your coach tagged us in the reel and I was like, is this accurate? Because it was like top 10 all time into a 1.2, you know, 
people ahead of you on the list were running some fast times, but it was like with 3.0 wins and all that kind of stuff. When you ran what you ran into a negative headwind, did that give you the confidence you needed going into the weekend? Yes. I will say that race kind of changed the game for me a little bit and mentality wise. When they told me the time at All New England, I was like, okay, cool. 11.67, like, great. I think my PR before that was um, 11.75. That was with, like, a three-point tailwind. But when they said it was going into a negative headwind, I was like, okay. So, you know, I, I have something to work with here. And I think that definitely gave me the confidence that I need going into the weekend. Because like you said, there were a lot of fast times being posted. But um, a lot of it was when aided. You know, but you never know what anyone's going to be able to do on any given day. So I didn't really let that kind of, it wasn't like an ego thing. Like, oh, I'm faster than these girls. I just knew that, all right, I know I have what it takes to do really well, but I don't know what really well will look like on that stage. You mentioned before we started recording that you graduated last Wednesday. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Talk about just kind of the general stress of life, you know, getting to that kind of transition phase of moving on and graduating. And then like also all of a sudden you have this huge track meet that weekend. How did you kind of compartmentalize your emotions heading into it? I just kind of felt like I was an autopilot and I was getting things done. Um, so the week leading up to graduation, that whole bunch of like activities and um stuff for families to take part in and I'm also the class president so I was in charge of like making sure all those things were happening so that on top of training um and on top of finals that happened a few weeks earlier it was the most craziest time of my life um and all of those aspects require 100% of you especially since I care about you know everything that I was doing so definitely did you know kind of take a toll definitely was tired but at the end of the day like I knew that you know, this was my last time competing for the team wearing this uniform. So I wanted to make sure that I could give it my all. And I think I did that, but it definitely did come with, you know, a lot of tears and late nights and all that stuff. So you're the most popular person on campus then, class president and now a national champion? Uh, I mean, I'm not on campus anymore. Well, true. But... Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, everyone's been so supportive about that too. And I think, you know, it's nice to see, like athletes you know and plugged it into other roles too because you know there's always that stigma like if you're an athlete you're kind of in one lane and you only care about sports but I really wanted to make it my goal to you know not just be focused on sports but you know branch out and see other ways that I can you know serve and stuff like that so yeah I think we definitely want to get into some of those other avenues that you've taken a little later on in the podcast but Let's talk about getting to Rochester, like getting the spikes on and getting your first prelim in. How was your body feeling? Did Was it reacting the way you were hoping your body was react would react? So like I mentioned earlier, going into the prelim, like I was feeling great, really pumped up. I think just seeing some of the performances on Thursday really got me excited. And again, I hadn't competed in a week, so I was like really anxious to do so. And I knew that I was going to have some really good competition to really push me to, you know, do what I did. So that was, you know, really good. And then afterwards, I was feeling like very sore, like my legs were just like aching and all that stuff. Because I mean, if you're running a PR performance in both the hurdles and the dash, it's probably not going to have the most positive impact on your body. So I was definitely nervous going into the final, just like worried about fatigue and um, if that would affect what. I was trying to do. Um, but again, my coach made sure I did a proper cool down, was drinking water, which everyone knows I'm a big lemonade girl. So like my, you know, diet consists of 
lemonade 99% of the time. So definitely try to plug in water more that weekend just to make sure that everything was, you know, moving as it should and stuff. So what's your go-to lemonade before we get too far away from this? So simply, I would say right now is ranked number one. Um, Chick-fil-A lemonade is also really good. And then for all those from Jersey, Wawa has some really good lemonade as well. So I would say those are my top three, but um, simply. What what like makes a good lemonade? Like what's the balance between like sweet and sour? I think it has to be more sweet in my opinion. Um, But sour has to be up there as well. I don't know. Just simply just does it for me. If you don't know what good lemonade is, simply definitely top tier. All right, I'm buying a bottle right now just while we talk. Like we should sponsor me or something. I would definitely love to be sponsored by Simply. I would literally drink it all day. But we'll tag him on Instagram. Appreciate it. Let's jump to the hundred final here. I know you you qualified through, but then you set the on the hurdles, but then you set the record in prelims on the hundred. And from the screen, it look you look like you're kind of shocked that by your time. Yeah, I definitely so like. Going into the prelim, I just knew I wanted to qualify. And I there's just so many things that go through like a sprinter's head because as good as we think we are, anything can happen, you know, from a false start or, you know, not running your best race. Because I remember um, qualifying for um, nationals indoor. I think I was like third or fourth seed and then I didn't even make finals. You know, it wasn't my best race. And just knowing that could happen again was a very real possibility. So once that gun went off, I was it's kind of like a run for your life. And then when I got to the finish line and I was like hearing, you know, the times and the wind was, I was like, oh my goodness, that's incredible. Like, but again, like I'm still processing, I'm still trying to like catch my breath and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, what kind of got me back to reality was like the job's not done yet. You know, this is prelims. I just made finals. I got to do this whole thing all again tomorrow. Um, so I was shocked, but I knew like celebrating, it was not yet the time because, you know, it is such a big thing to accomplish, but at the end of the day, like the goal was obviously winning. So I think I was just pretty much locked in at that point. How did your competitors react to that record after the prelim? I don't really remember. I just remember kind of like everything was kind of blurry around me. Like I was kind of like in my own world. Um, I remember a lot of people did come up to me afterwards and they're like a job and stuff. And I think that's one thing I love about the sport is just like support from all the other teams that aren't even yours. You know, I think just throughout the season, throughout people in my conference, like I've gotten almost as much support from people who don't wear my uniform than as people who do, which I think is a beautiful thing and just makes the sport so much more fun and worth it and everything like that. So. How did you calm yourself down heading into Saturday knowing you just broke a record? You're in two finals. Like it has to be like, you know, don't doesn't mean a thing without the ring in terms of like what Scotty Pippen had mm-hmm. on with his shirt. You know, it's great to have a record, but I'm sure you wanted to win. Right. You know, how did you get yourself ready for Saturday? I think my biggest thing was just like staying focused. You know, like it's one thing to be happy with what you've done, but again, just knowing that, like I said, the job's not done yet. Um, definitely, you know, just kept that momentum and like fire going for me and I knew that especially in the 100 uh, dash that those girls were probably going to be coming for blood because they're all capable of you know running insane times and it's actually funny because I joked about the the camaraderie that I had with the 100 hurdle girls versus the 100 meter girls it's like it was like quiet 
you know, versus like the hurdles, like everyone's like talking. And so the energy was definitely different. And I knew that, you know, it's like, it's serious. I mean, both races were serious. So um, I definitely knew that I couldn't just kind of swim in that success of winning um, my heat in the prelim or breaking the record. I just had to make sure I was locked in to, you know, do well in the final. Why do you think the energy is different between like the flat sprints and the hurdles? I have no idea. I feel like with hurdles, there's like an understanding like that it's not easy jumping over things and running fast. And I think we're all just happy to be here and like not having injuries from like falling over, you know, hurdles and all that stuff. So maybe there's like a, I don't know, like a support group there. Um, whereas like the hundred, you kind of have to be really fired up to, you know, run um, really fast and like be focused and stuff. I mean, you have to be focused in both, but I don't know. The vibes are definitely different. I'm not saying one is better than the other, um, but I just thought that was like really interesting how like I go from, you know, bubbly and like talking to everyone to, you know, kind of locked in, quiet, focused and, and yeah. So it was much better winning the hundred than to like, you know, show them what you have versus the friendly folks. Yeah. I mean, I feel like even in the hurdles, like when Bergen won, like kind of felt like we all won type of thing. Like everyone was kind of hugging. We're all happy. Um, and you know it felt good to be part of that race whereas like the dash it still felt good to be part of the race but it was just way more I don't know it was like tense it's kind of scary I'm not gonna <laughs> lie but um but it just obviously like those girls are like super hardworking and like you know they wouldn't be there if they weren't so it's just like really like cool to be in a field like you said like one of the deepest fields in D3 history and like being a part of that and just knowing that, you know, we all worked so hard to get there. And like, obviously there's support and all that stuff there, whether it's set or not, because it's not easy being an athlete, let alone a student athlete. So there's definitely a lot of love there, but it might not have been as verbal as it was in the 100 hurdles group. So walk us through your, your 100 meter race. I mean, to the, to the outside eye, it's over and you know, 11 seconds and it's, it's all we see is you coming out of the blocks and running fast. I will say it was a pretty easy race to call because you got that like orange singlet on and you were kind of obviously ahead the whole time. So thank you for that. But, you know, I, I imagine it plays out a lot slower in your brain, you know, that 11 seconds probably feels like it takes a lot longer. So kind of walk us through your process during the race and what you're thinking and experiencing. Um, I would say the first thing that I was thinking was, I really want this race to start. I felt like the hold at the beginning was like really long. Sorry, I was gonna say like, did, were you in part of the prelim too that like held you for so long as well? I think that might have been the first heat. We were getting um, chippy in the booth. I was getting so mad at the officials. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I no, was, no was wondering if you're part of that as well. It's just like I think all of us are just so amped up and ready to go. So like when they just hold us for that long, it's just like and they're staring at you and like you're painful. staring back at them. Probably it's like get it's on painful. get on the thing and hit the gun let's go yeah like it got to a point because I wasn't I know whether you like I wasn't really trying to do like too many starts because it was so hot that day and I didn't want to burn any more energy than I was I already had or I was about to and then I like remember at a point like I sat down on the little um lane marker behind because I was just like I have no idea when this is going to start um and then finally the official came and like made sure that we were all the right people and then um, when the race went off, I was just like understanding that it's my last, you know, race wearing the Coast Guard uh, jersey. Like you just have to go. Like there's no, you know, as long as there's no false starting and everything is clean. Like once that gun goes off, it's like 
you go and you go as fast as you ever have gone before. Um, and that's like all that I was thinking. And it's crazy because normally like I would, I'm a nervous wreck before like big races, especially like nationals last year. Like I remember like just jittering on the line and just being so nervous and all that stuff. Like I was like really calm, you know, because again, I wasn't praying for like a miracle per se, but it was just like hoping that I would do what I normally have done this season. Yeah, you hit a really nice start and Lauren Jarrett, you know, was with you there for, I think if I remember like 40 to 50 meters and then you're, you probably looked like you got to your top end speed and, and pulled away. What's that moment like when you're kind of even with a competitor, but you, then you find the next gear and then it's like over. Again, it's like, you're not really, you're there, but you're not really there. You know, like I completely blanked out um during the race and just kind of like hold your breath kind of without even realizing and you just kind of give it that push. But I felt like I was like saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in my head, like the minute I started like not seeing anyone with me at all. And like, you just like get closer to the finish line. And it's like, wow, this is mine. Like, you know, and that feeling was just so surreal because, you know, it's only a dream that you can think of, you know, winning a national championship like that. So, and then, you know, you get into the the time and all that stuff and just like kept getting better. It's like the gift that just kept giving. And it was like, wow, this is, this is a really cool, cool day. So when you're finishing the race, you're obviously, obviously using your like peripheral vision to see if the, there's anybody coming up. Is it really hard not to look around? Is, do you no. have to like, okay, got it. No, <laughs> For no, me, no. I feel like I would just be like looking no. all, all over the place. I think races are lost that way. Yeah. Like that's like a high school thing that my coach would tell me, like, don't even bother looking in other lanes because you know you're losing time and all that stuff doing that so and just at the end of the day like you're just running your race right like everyone is running their race and in the day you see how you end up but yeah looking around is a no-no again you look shocked 11 49 pops up in the clock and it like took you by surprise like it's another pr you break your own record and now you push the record even further down the list or faster on the list you know did it not sink in that like how quickly you ran no not at all. I think the last time I ran and I felt pain after was running at all New England's and that 11, six, seven into the negative headwind. Like I was sore like immediately after. And that's how I knew like that was like a very um, hard effort, like race. Obviously, like I was fighting the wind at that point. Um, but after this one, I felt like almost the same as how I felt right after the prelims. You know, like I think that there's just so much adrenaline going on that you just don't really know how hard you're pushing or how fast you're running so and it's like cool because I'm just thinking like hey like you know if as a competition were if the competition were to increase and all that stuff like what does that mean for me like I feel like I do really well under pressure and I've done what I've needed to do at each meet given like the competition and stuff so it's nice to know that like I'm able to rise to the occasion when necessary and it wasn't like an overnight thing definitely had to build and you know work my way to get to this point there's obviously a lot going on at nationals like you know there's a lot of events to get through and so you finish your race and they kind of get you off the track like as fast as like, you get a moment to celebrate and they kind of get you off the track right and so so what happened like after you left the track what were some of the first things you did some of the first people you talked to so I think my first hug was my fiance he um is a high jumper on our track team and he you know um drove out to come support me and he did the same thing last year but last year was in Ohio so he drove like 10 hours to come support me so I'm really like grateful and blessed to have him and it's just 
it's funny because he was telling me that he was nervous for me before my race. And I'm like, don't tell me that because you're not the one running. And <laughs> just like, just seeing how emotionally connected that people are to your races. Um, it's just like, obviously a lot of pressure, but it's just cool that like, you're not the only person that cares about this so much. You have so many people in your corner as well. Um, then obviously I have to give a hug to my coach because it's been a long road for the both of us, you know, dealing with injuries and just COVID. Um, and knowing that you have an athlete that has the potential to like do so much, but there's just so many circumstances, you know, going to a military academy, sports isn't always the number one priority. You know, we have so many other things that we're required to do. So just being able to like fight through all those, you know, quote unquote distractions um, to get to this point was like really special. And just like thinking about all the things that we've built in the past like four years slowly to get to this point, I think was a very special moment. And then obviously my teammate who, Allie, who um, uh, high jumped and placed 10th on Thursday was there as well. So it was really special, like, you know, sharing that moment with all of them. I know we've been talking a lot about the hundred, but we've kind of glanced over that hurdle race and looking at your TFERS prior to this in, in 2020, you come a long way, first of all, like in both events, but one in particular is the hurdles, you know, your first event was just over or your best in 2021 was over 16 seconds. And now wind aided you're on 1356. So almost three seconds in a hurdle race yeah. in a hundred meters, you know, finishing runner up your all American indoors, but Obviously, I'm sure the record was special, but given the progression you had in the hurdles, was it a little more special for you, given what you've done? Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are forgetting the hurdles race. I mean, everyone's like focusing on the championship, but hurdles have been like my baby since high school. I don't know what it is about that race, but I could just never let it go. And I think it's understanding that not everyone can run over hurdles and not everyone can run over hurdles quickly. So being a part of that community is also very special for me. I remember last season when I broke 15 seconds that was like probably like the highlight of my career because I you know was kind of dancing around 1504 and all that stuff and then when I finally broke 15 it was literally 1499 I was like the happiest girl ever um and I like remember the day and like my competitors and all that stuff and then it got to a point where my first race at Monmouth was I think I ran like a 14.3 something and I was like I could go sub 14 this season. And to me, like that realization was just like huge because I remember there was a point where there were conversations of, do I even keep hurdling since I think Dash is, you know, going in more of a positive direction than I think hurdles was at, at a point. So just like the hurdles has been such a special event for me, just like seeing all my progress and like, it's one thing to like go faster, but to go faster when there are things physically in front of you, especially since I care so much about you know, her, I feel like I care more about hurling than the dash low key, just because, you know, there's just so much like that goes into that event mentally for me and being able to like have the confidence to do so. And a lot of my progress has been just building that confidence, you know, like, yes, I've been getting faster, but being able to, you know, do so and then still get over the hurdles, you got to have that conversation with yourself. Like, look, buddy, like you're not going to fall, I promise. And then sometimes you will hit that hurdle like I did at nationals but second to last one it I still like have a I think I have my first bruise on my knee from hitting um a hurdle so it's like a little token that I took from nationals with me but yeah I definitely would say like hurdles has a very special place in my heart in another universe would you trade this 100 dash title for a 100 hurdle title that's a good question I feel like I love both of them like the same to an extent like 
either way, I would be the same amount of happy. I'm just glad that I have the title. I don't really care what it's in per se, but I definitely like 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 you said, it's been a journey just like getting to the point where I am in the hurdles. Like running anything in the 13 is not something I thought I would leave high school or college doing at all whatsoever. So um and it's cool like, you know, being able to be up there with Bergen and like have her push me to, you know, run the time that I did and stuff. So yeah, I think that's I think cool. the hurt the hurdles are definitely cool, but there's something special about being able to say that you're the fastest athlete in division three and yeah. especially being able to say you're the fastest ever. Yeah. It hasn't like, like, I can't say that. Like, I feel like it hasn't like, I'll say it then I'll say okay. it. you're the, you're the, you're <laughs> the fastest division too. three athlete of all time. <laughs> it's just crazy to think about, you know, like there's just been so many like magnificent women that run before me that are running with me and that are going to run after me and stuff. So it's just really cool to be a part of that part of history. And I like to say like, whatever I do, I like to leave my, my fingerprint. And I think I did that. So it's like nice to, you know, kind of close out this portion and see what's next. You know, you're part of that hundred meter hurdle final with, it was just his, historic, you know, given who was in it and all of that. And now you cement yourself in history on the hunter side. Plus, I think you're like second all-time, third all-time, all conditions on the hurdles. You know, given that you've come a long way, like and you're only two days removed, but moving forward, what do you think you're going to look back on, on, you know, when you see your name at the top of both those lists? I think I'm going to definitely try to like remember that it definitely did not happen overnight. It's been a journey for sure. Um, especially being like a COVID athlete, you know, there's so much we have to overcome and like meets where it's, you're wearing a mask to compete or, you know, you're not wearing a mask, but you're putting it on like two seconds after. Um, and just like overcoming injury and just like the mental block, like it's kind of a beautiful thing to think about all the quote unquote ugly things that had gone into like the performances that I had and stuff. Um, it just makes me like remember that, you know, everything in life is worth fighting for even though even when you can't see what the end result is just make sure you give 100 percent at every point because you never know what it's going to amount to in the end you know i'm curious to learn a little bit more about your kind of original decision to go to coast guard i think the kind of military academy is you know kind of an unusual experience especially in in division three and so if you're comfortable going back a few years and if you want to tell us kind of what your goals were at the time and and why you and why and how you ended up at Coast Guard in the first place? Sure. So I went to um, an all girls like Catholic high school, um, Stewart Country Day in Princeton, New Jersey. So that's already put me in the box of going to places that isn't necessarily like normal. And I really enjoyed that like small community and environment. Like, you know, everyone, everyone knows you people are really supportive. Um, and I had like the best track coach, um, Coach Claypack, who really I think helped me even be the athlete that I am today, even though he wasn't my coach. Um, but I would say like my biggest thing was just being in family where service is like so important. I knew that that's something that I would definitely want to pursue a career in. Didn't know like the military would be the aspect that it took. I remember growing up, like I respected everyone who was in the military, but I was like, there's no way anyone is telling me when to wake up, what to do, what to wear, what to eat. And I was just like, no, not, not happening. So I actually started, I went to visit my aunt one summer and her uh, brother-in-law is in the Navy. So he obviously started talking up the Naval Academy to me and I started applying. Um, and all of a sudden 
I was going to like all academy like days at like like local colleges where they're like having all the colleges like or all the service academies talk about you know who they are and all that stuff but in my mind I was like okay I'm gonna apply Navy I don't really care about anything else but luckily I had my mother with me who just thought that everything was just the greatest school in the world and she just really loved like the Coast Guard's mission and stuff so she kind of like egged me on to go talk to the representative that was there and I put in my number one priority at that time was obviously uh, running. I just wanted to go somewhere that I could run. Um, and getting school paid for was also very important, especially to my parents. And um, I remember I filled out the track questionnaire and then like within a week, Coach Brown called me and asked me like, hey, would I be willing to go to the Coast Guard Academy to visit? And it was like such a small window. And I was like, yeah, there's no way my mom and dad are driving me up to Connecticut like within two weeks to, take me to go visit the academy so I told them and they're like oh like you're going so I'm like great um I get there I spend the night and I did not like it at all it was just so different than what I was ever used to so I liked it I think there would be a problem but I just remember like feeling this kind of peace in a way that was like I could come here I don't love it but this is something that I could do and I think it'd be so cool if I was able to accomplish so in that moment like my you know just shifted all my focus to running at or applying to the academy I got in but I got into the scholars program so I know not a lot of people are familiar with that but um, me and my team my fiance Tanner we got into what they call the CGAS program so basically it's not a direct appointment but they bring you on board you go through like a three-week short boot camp period and they send you to a prep school whether it's Georgia Military College Marion or um NAPS, which is a Naval Preparatory School up in Newport, and you spend a year there. So that was very difficult for me just because it was a year with like no running. I didn't compete. I didn't train. I was just completely removed, but I was like itching to, you know, run and all that stuff. So did the year and then I started the, my first official year, I think in 2019 at the, or 2020, one of those years at the Academy. Um, and that basically started the journey that I am glad to say it's ended sad but you know it, it's time so the past five years have definitely been you know ups and downs but I definitely wouldn't trade the experience that I've had for or the people that I've met for the world wow so like you that year not running you know how is that being able to well I guess the first question why couldn't you run like were they not letting you like they're not sports at those prep schools so Georgia Military College at that time didn't have like a track program. So it wasn't even possible. Um, if I had went to uh, NAPS, I probably would have been able to compete with like the Navy, Navy's team, but that's not the school that I was sent to. And at that time, they really focused on sending football players to that school for prep. Um, so yeah, it was, it was hard. Like track is something that I think about every single day in some capacity so just knowing that, you know, I kind of ended my high school career on a high, like I won like our prep B state championship, um, the hurdles and the dash. So like I'm on top of the world and then it's like, I'm not running anymore for the next year. So that was like, it was, it was definitely hard, but I think that gave me the momentum that I needed to go into uh, my freshman year indoor season, like, like I did. And then all of a sudden COVID hit. So that kind of, yeah, took, took another toll, but that's like how it's set up. So when you learn that there's no track program, what 
keeps you from being like, all right, never mind. I'll just transfer somewhere else to a college or a prep school that I can run at. I think at that point, you kind of, it was just a matter of me like trusting the process. So I knew that, that it wasn't necessarily like, okay, I'm never running again. It's just, okay, well, you just have to take a little break. Um, and they send you to schools based on where you think you'll do well at. Um, and I like Georgia Military College because it's like in a college town um, and there are like more things to do there and all that stuff. So, and I definitely needed time to like focus on like the military aspect of life just because I do not come from a military family at all whatsoever. Everything is like completely new, so confusing. Um, so I definitely needed to, you know, kind of shift my focus a little bit. So yeah, it was definitely hard, but just being able to like just trust the process and know like this is not forever, it's a temporary thing and you will be able to run at some point, just not immediately. So that to me kind of just, it was hard, but again, like it's kind of one of those things in life that it kind of, you need maturity to understand that you're not gonna get the things that you want all the time at the time that you want them. So just stick with it and just hope everything works out for the best and it did. You mentioned earlier that, you know, life at a military academy running or athletics in general are not always going to be priority number one, like you're being pulled in a lot of different directions. Can you get a little more specific there and kind of detail life at a military academy? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that go on. Um, apart from the sports aspect, obviously, of academics, and that comes first. If you're struggling academically, you know, you might be asked to like step back from your sport or just adjust the amount of effort and time or not effort but time that you're putting in I remember there was a time in my sophomore year where I was really struggling and I had to like modify my practice days you know like I wouldn't go in on Wednesday because I would get help from the teacher and all that stuff so you definitely have to learn how to like make everything work and try to balance but you obviously know that sometimes like you know academics going to take that precedent and then there's a the military aspect um, where we have a lot of trainings whether it's in the morning or after the work day or dinner. So like, I'm, there's so many times where we have lift that end at 6.30 and then we have to like run to get dinner and then like run to a training that starts at seven, you know? So like, just like that hectic, you know, lifestyle, like running and always getting to the next place definitely keeps you on your toes. But I definitely think, you know, it all, it just adds to the discipline and stuff that, you know, we are all supposed to have and stuff, which we do, but yeah, um, just, talk about like a little bit of the structure so like as a first class cadet like we have we all have divisions that we're all a part of and um in your division you have like a mixture of like freshmen sophomores and juniors that you're in charge of and making sure that they're doing okay um or do they're doing well militarily academically if they have any needs like you know and issues you're supposed to help them get through them and all that stuff like that so it definitely does make you a well-rounded person military person and all that stuff but it's a lot at times and you know you kind of shift focuses as necessary during certain times like you know sometimes academics are going to need to take the back seat if you know you have a big meet or something coming up that you need more time to prepare for um or you know if you're behind militarily in whatever division work you have you know other things have to take the back seat so there's definitely a lot of like flip-flopping around but I mean we make it work I think people make it e- look easier than it actually is and a lot of late nights and like I said, tears involved And but I think that the people that you meet and the support that you have from that environment, it's just like incomparable to anything I've ever experienced. So it makes it all worth it. 
Given that you have a little bit more responsibility than, you know, maybe a, a person who doesn't go to a military academy, how then would you describe the progression? Because I feel like sometimes when you have all this responsibility, plus your training on top of your normal track training, you know, it can, it can hinder maybe performance and hinder growth, but you've kind of vaulted past that and set new PRs, set new records, and you've come from like a like I said, 16 second hurdler to a 13 second hurdler. Like how does that happen with the schedule you have? I don't know. I really don't, <laughs> I, I really don't have an answer to that. I think just trying to um, just get in the sleep and all that stuff um, when you can, um, obviously like just being able to take care of yourself and eat well and all that stuff. Like, and I think, you know, religion has helped me a lot and just like knowing that, you know, God's got me. Um, and no matter like what I'm doing, no matter how stressed I am, like there have been moments where I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to get to tomorrow, but just like still having that peace and just knowing that like, I will be okay. And I get, I'll get through it. And I did, you know, I can't even like, I'll try to look back to moments where I was just like up, up to here with like work and stress. And, you know, I wouldn't even think of a day like today happening, but it, it's here. So just knowing that, you know, there's a lot of other things like that are working with you and people who are just so supportive and like taking loads off of you when, when they can and stuff. Cause everyone else has so many other things going on as well, but um, it's really nice to have people that support you and see you're struggling like, and kind of can take that load off. But other than that, like it's, it's been a grind for sure. Um, but I mean, I'm glad that I'm where I am, but definitely yeah, there's just been so much that's happened that, you know, I definitely wouldn't think I'd be where I am right now, but I'm definitely glad I'm here. So pardon my ignorance here, but are were were you training for like a specific task or a specific position in the military or is it kind of general? So a lot of the trainings that we have, it, it depends on like your class or like your grade. Um, but ultimately, like we're all training to be Coast Guard officers. So when you graduate, you um, get the uh, rank of an ensign, which is kind of like the bottom of the totem pole. But like you work your way up like you do like at the academy from when you come in as a swab or graduate as a first class. Um, so it depends, like the trainings that I've had a lot have been, you know, trainings about like how to be a good officer, you know, like how to help the enlisted members that you'll be working with and stuff like that. Um, and then. As a junior, a lot of the training you're getting, or like a rising soft or rising junior, a lot of the training you're getting is um, how to be like a good cadre and like, you know, taking care of your people. So for those who don't know, as a rising junior, you go through uh, the summer program where you are training how to train the incoming um, freshmen. So like you are the people that are like yelling them, yelling at them and training them for their like swap summer boot camp experience which is a really cool thing because you go from being yelled at to doing the yelling in the span of like two years and I think like that's really rewarding because you know you really just like respect the process because everyone goes through it you know you start at the bottom and you work your way up um and then like a lot of the training is like Coast Guard you know just working with different programs the Coast Guard has and um different like leadership competencies that we have to be aware of and making sure that we you know, meet the criteria and like what's being asked of us and stuff like that. So it really varies. It, it depends on the day, the time period, who you are, what you're doing and everything like that. So. So you spoke with Emily Richards post-race. She mentioned that 
you're going to be stationed in Rhode Island. When do you head over there? So my 30 days of leave started yesterday. So I think June 26 is my report date. So that's when I will be looking to head over to Newport. Wow. And so you're there for two or four years or just like, a, like I guess, take us through that part because I'm a little unaware as well. They don't, so, they don't give you like a bonus week of leave for yeah. winning a national championship. And well, extra actually, effects. they did. So okay. oh, okay. <laughs> it was supposed to start the day after graduation. But technically, since I was in training, they postponed it to the day I stopped competing. So I was really generous um, of them to do that. And I originally wasn't going to take the extra leave just because I'm like, I don't want to show up to my unit late and be behind. But honestly, like this is like the only time in our life where we'll have 30 days given up front of break. So I'm like, I'm definitely going to take that. Um, but yeah, so I report on June 26th. I have no idea like what really to expect because it's like going to be a whole new experience for all of us. But like I said, I didn't want to be late, but I think they'll be fine like catching me up and stuff like that. With how much you've been progressing, Emily also mentioned that you're not going to be able to run. So like, is there, could you figure out a way to keep training? Like, it seems like this is, you know, a time to figure out what you can do. Yeah. So, um, interesting thing about that is I did, um, per, try to pursue that opportunity because of like the extra eligibility I have with COVID. Um, but the Coast Guard did deny it. And I actually did get a full um, tuition scholarship from a D1 program. So I was like really like amped up to, to do that. But, you know, there is a rhyme to the reason. Um, definitely, I know they have their reasons, but I know that, you know, things will work out the way they're supposed to. And I definitely feel like I'm at the top of my game. So if there's any way that I could keep competing, I would definitely, I'm definitely still actively like looking for those avenues because I definitely think that I have a lot more to give to the sport. Um, and considering like how this weekend went, I know that given, you know, more training and even more intense training and like, you know, better sleeping habits, better eating habits, I'll definitely be able to, you know, do things I probably can't even comprehend right now. Um, but, you know, I'm just Scott's plan. So I'm just like, you know, waiting and kind of just, trying to stay engaged in conversations to see if there's any way that, you know, I can keep running because I mean, this is what I've been doing since like the seventh grade. So I can't even imagine a world where, you know, I'm not running. I'm aware of like the army having the WCAP program, the world-class ath athletics athletes program. Is there anything similar, you know, with the Coast Guard? So um, there is like a program where like different uh, military branches, like they have opportunities for people to play like sports like on that military team if that makes sense like they like form teams within like people who are serving um and I was actually just looking this up today but um the Coast Guard athletes are allowed to compete with Coast Guard teams and Navy but the only team that the Coast Guard has is rugby and Navy does not have track and field Looks so like you're a rugby kinda, player now, I guess. Yeah, we're gonna, we're so gonna see, like out, see out on the field. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would survive. I would definitely <laughs> get like beaten badly. But um, yeah, so I was kind of like bummed out about that because I was looking at the other services like Army and Air Force, like they have track and field programs, but uh, Coast Guard and Navy does not. So maybe I'll have to start one. I don't know. But I'm just hoping that, you know, there's a way that I can keep the momentum going because I definitely feel like. I'm in a really good spot to keep doing well. So I definitely don't want to let that go. Are you going to try to get into any meets in these 30 days off? 
Um, probably not. I definitely think um, I want to give myself some time to kind of, you know, I still haven't even found an apartment yet in Newport. So I'm definitely doing that and figuring out like where to put all my stuff and everything. So um, this is like the part of like balancing like all the different things that we have to do kind of come in. So I'm definitely taking advantage of the break. Um, and I think it's necessary because, you know, I've been going all season since indoor. We started practice and like I've been practicing since August up until, you know, this past week. So definitely like a time off would be nice. But if there's any way I can plug myself in or like one as an unattached um, athlete at meets that are going on around me, I definitely will look for those opportunities as well. But the goal would be obviously to keep competing with, you know, a team and just have that support that I've had from my coaches and teammates and all that stuff. Other than, you know, the obvious logistics of planning for your future in the next 30 days, how are you, how are you spending your break? And is there anything like you're excited to do that you haven't been able to do for a while? Um, sleep will definitely be one of them. Yeah. Um, definitely just hanging out with family and stuff. I know me and my fiance definitely have put off wedding planning for the past, like many months. So definitely starting that will be, um, a fun activity for us to do as well, but just kind of like, it's nice not being in charge of anything right now, or, you know, not having any expectations for like the next day and just kind of taking it, um, taking it easy. So it's, it's definitely a new feeling, but I know I'm going to find something else to keep myself busy um, within the next couple of weeks. I will be going to Oregon to visit his family um, in like, I think June 6th. So I'm looking forward to that too. We went in the winter time, but I heard Oregon in the summertime is pretty nice as well. That sounds fun. You know, kind of bring this back to track. You mentioned momentum and, you know, I'm sure you do a lot of reflecting here in the next couple of days, couple of weeks, but when you look back at your career at Coast Guard, you, you remember the, some of those down times, like what kept you going to get you to this point? I think just knowing that um, I just have a lot to give, like the sport um, and like not being defined by those like down moments and down points and all that stuff. Like, I think life happens when you least expect it. So just really, you know, just keeping up and keeping going. I remember I injured myself, I think the end of my sec or the end of my sophomore year of like a sports hernia it's like it was a weird location it hurt to walk um I don't even remember how I did it but I was I ran one meet and I qualified for D3 uh New England's but I didn't run for the rest of the season until D3's and I shouldn't have run at D3's but I just remember that was like the first meet D3's when I well, I wasn't ready to come back but I did anyway because I was just itching to run again um, and I didn't qualify for finals. And it was like the first time ever that I ran that I had not qualified for finals. And I just remember like being so upset and just looking at the season feeling like I wasted it. And granted, like it was just things that were out of my control. Like I was injured. Um, but it was one of those moments where I wish I kind of just like let myself fully heal and accept the situation for what it was and not fight to come back so quickly. Um, and I definitely think that moments like that and your down moments just get me like amped up for moments like this past weekend you know like like again not being defined by them but like just using it as momentum to know like all right well my comeback is going to be way better and bigger than my setback um and and it has been so I'm really like grateful for that as well but I think track as some people might know it's like more mental than physical 
sometimes, you know, you just got to tell yourself you can do it to actually do it, you know, because I mean, life is hard. So if you aren't in the right head space, it's really hard to get anything done. You mentioned earlier, you know, leaving a fingerprint on the sport, and you obviously did that by leaving your name in the record books, but kind of on a more like intimate level, you know, looking at your team at Coast Guard and kind of the legacy that you leave as a leader and teammate there, how do you think they'll remember you? Well, I hope they remember me as being a captain and being a good teammate and stuff. Like, I really cared about them and like far beyond things that were going on at track practice or um, on the track. I th- think, again, like the academy is not the easiest place to be at, at times. So just making sure that everyone um, comes to practice, whether you come to practice upset and leave with a smiling face, like that's really all I care about, or, you know, at least like cracking one smile throughout practice. Um, but with that being said, I really hope that they remember you as someone who just like cared so much about the sport and them and inspires them to do the same because I mean it's easy to like show up for practice and not really want to be there like do it for a sports credit and all that stuff but the minute you really like put heart into it and um you show that you care and you want to be there I think that's when the results start happening and it becomes more than just a sports credit or more than just two hours of your day I think that's a great place to wrap Michelle thank you so much for your time especially we're two days removed from the meet once again congratulations on the championship record d3 record runner-up performance and a national title it's a long weekend so go get some rest thank you so much for having me it's such a pleasure thank you guys And that's all from us here at D3 Glory Days. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Michelle Quaffa for coming on to this podcast so soon after the national meet. I know it's been really busy for everybody, but especially the graduating seniors. So thanks to her for spending some time with us. Check the show notes down below for ways to support the podcast if you're so inclined. And we'll talk to you again very soon. All right. Here's to the glory days.